Guess what, cinephiles? I've just heard something absolutely mind-blowing. Okay, so you know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a tiny fraction of what Netflix actually has. Netflix actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only like 6,000 of those are available in the U.S., so you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows, unless you use ExpressVPN. Yeah, Steve, ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location. So like, for example, if you're looking for stuff that's from another country, you're based here in the United States, you actually change your online location to Australia or the UK so you can control where you want Netflix to think you're located. They have over 100 different locations. They're on ExpressVPN. So you can, you can gain access to like thousands of of new shows no matter where you live. And this works with many other streaming services too there. You guys have Disney Plus or Hulu or Max or the BBC iPlayer, which is the one I use. I know I've used ExpressVPN to connect to Australia because I really love this show called Have You Been Paying Attention? I just put myself in Melbourne and I get access to it. You sign up using your email, but you immediately get access to the stuff. I've used the BBC iPlayer to watch a number of shows there on the BBC like Law & Order UK and others. And sometimes this show Guilty that I love that uh, screens there, when the new seasons pop up, because it takes like four months to get them on PBS, I watch them there using ExpressVPN. And it's incredible how easy it is and how simple it is to use. So why should you use ExpressVPN? Well, first of all, it is super fast. That means you can stream everything in HD with no buffering. It works on any device. So I'm an Apple guy, which means I've already installed it on my Mac, on my iPhone, on my iPad, and on my Apple TV. I'd install it on my Apple Watch if I could, and it encrypts your data. Now, this is hugely important because it protects your privacy and your security to keep you safe from hackers. So stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you guys three extra months of free use when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash cinephiles. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E-S to get three extra months completely free. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hello and welcome to a very special live preview for a very special live episode of The Cinephiles. I am Steve Morris and I am not going to Comic-Con this week. I am John Roca and I am going to Comic-Con this year. Wait, John, you're going to Comic-Con? I am going with Dude. the Geek Buddies. Let's make it happen. Well, and what we're announcing is that after you and the Geek Buddies go to Comic-Con and you experience whatever the heck it is you experience, <laughs> right when you're done, when you're probably 
exhausted on yeah. Sunday afternoon. We are going to do a Cinephiles Live, and I'm going to pump you for information about what you experienced at Comic-Con. Hello. Yes, I'm down. I, I'm looking forward to it. It's been, what, three years since the last Comic-Con? And I didn't even go to the last Comic-Con, so it's been four years for me since I've been back. And so I'm very much looking forward to going back in this, even with the COVID numbers as high as they are, I'm just still looking forward to experiencing the vibe and the energy of Comic-Con again. Are there specific panels you want to get to or specific announcements you want to see? Well, it's funny you say, well, certainly the top two are the Marvel panel and the DC panel, because, you know, I'm a rock fan. So seeing the Black Adam stuff is going to be a lot of fun. Shazam stuff is supposed to be teased. But with uh, the Marvel side of things, I'm very curious to see what they're going to be announcing. Rumors about Fantastic Four, rumors about who's going to be the cast, rumors about uh, phase four, the rest of the Phase 4 stuff. So there's a lot here that they're probably going to announce. But remember, D23 is right around the corner. So mm. we're only going to get some announcements. So that those are the top two. But as looking over the schedule, which I did yesterday, um, it's going to feel like a very chill Comic-Con. Mm. So that excites me, that there I can go to some of these panels and they're not going to be overwhelmed or they're not going to be insane. And I, I think what's great about it is I'm looking forward to having a very relaxed Comic-Con where I get to pick what I want to do at a certain time and just kind of mosey on in there and enjoy without the pressure of having to run off to the next thing, um, a panel. And so for right. me, it's really the exciting stuff. And of course, hanging out with the boys and hanging out with, uh, with Kalinowski, that's going to be a lot of fun uh, and going to the parties and whatever. So, yeah. Well, that was my next question is back in the day, we used to roll with a pretty big crew yeah, at yeah, Comic-Con. Yeah. Who are you rolling with on this trip? So far, it seems like just uh, Vogel and Shannon and Kalinowski and our crew but I know there are people already who are going to be down there for my sphere that I will be running into and saying hi to. And we've got hopefully we're trying to get into a Dungeons and Dragons party for that film that's going to be released. Mm -hmm. So we're looking forward to doing that. There are some uh, activation events out there. There are some installations that we can go and experience as well that some of my friends are sponsoring or doing. So uh, there's a, certainly a looking forward to doing that as well. And I'll be hosting a panel for the first time ever. Ooh in my experience at Comic-Con, the Thursday at uh, 10 o'clock for this uh, Audible original um, you know, project called Impact Winter that's been out for a while, and it is incredible. Uh, oh, cool. So, yeah, so a very much, it has to do with vampires, post-apocalyptic stuff. It was a very awesome Audible original um, uh, story. So it's, it was, um, I'm very honored to be hosting the panel. That is so cool. And are you planning on doing any live or recordings with the Geek Buddies or for Outlaw Nation while you're there? Absolutely. I bought an H8 uh, the other day just to kind of have a four-person um, four ability, mm -hmm. but also to be able to just immediately make it a podcast. It, it, it mixes it for you immediately, so I can just download the file onto the uh, computer and then uh, put it right up. So that's going to be the approach. I am bringing a cam my cameras. I, I don't want to do camera stuff. But Michael is insisting that the four of us in a hotel room shooting the shit will be something people want to see. I don't know if that's true <laughs> or not, but certainly that's uh, something that we're looking forward to doing. But yes, we will be doing stuff on the fly for sure, conversations. Maybe we'll have a drunk uh, end of the night conversation before we all go to bed, which would be a fun little after dark Geek Buddies thing. But we shall see. Well, having been in a hotel room at comic-con with you there is no question in my mind that it would be extremely entertaining <laughs> but whether or not it is fit for yeah. public broadcast right, is an right. entirely different question <laughs> well so 
That is what this is what John is anticipating. And in just a few days on Sunday at 5 p.m. on our YouTube channel, we are going to hear where it ended up, where it started, <laughs> where it's going. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. And if you happen to support us on Patreon.com slash The Cinephiles, right now you could be listening to John and I discuss COVID at the movies, how the pandemic has affected the film industry, how the pandemic is being portrayed in the film industry, and what do we think its effects will be in the future. It was a really, really good conversation. So that is a discussion of COVID at the movies on Patreon. And this coming Sunday at 5 p.m., we will hear the, what I believe will be entirely transformed, John Rocha, (laughs) post-Comic-Con. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Cinephiles Live, our monthly show that we do here on the Cinephiles YouTube channel. I am one of your hosts, I'm the outlaw John Roca, joined by my brother over there, Steve Morris. How are you, Steve? I am good. The real question, John, is how are you? <laughs> Having been to San Diego Comic Con, yes, I have never been really even conscious by Sunday afternoon. So how are you doing? I am wrecked, man. Absolutely wrecked. It was a a very exhausting but fun four days. Um, And uh, I had to come home almost immediately and record two trailer reactions so that I could put something up for today. And sure enough, it was the right move because within less than an hour, I already have 2,000 views on my Black Panther Wakanda Forever reaction. So Although I may be exhausted and wrecked and I'm in in mortal fear that I caught COVID while I was there, I still have work to do. So I am I am absolutely uh, um, what road hard and put away wet in a way uh, (laughs) after this experience. But certainly it was great to be back. I mean, it's been four years since I was back. I know three years since Comic-Con has happened. So um, it was nice to experience it all over again. And in those three years, four years, I have become a resident of San Diego. So certainly a different experience. Uh, going there and kind of being aware of everything around the gas lamp district a little more um, knowledgeably than I have been in the past. That must have been so nice because, so for those of you who haven't done (laughs) Comic-Con, I haven't done it. I think it's been maybe 10 years since the last time I was there. Wow. It's been, it's been a while, maybe maybe eight or nine. Um, Like coming from LA, it is a, usually a brutal journey to get there. And then if you were not wise enough to take the train and you're driving back, that afternoon drive back is yeah. so tough. So the it's fact that you live in San Diego, that must be really nice. Yeah, and the, my girlfriend picked me up. So Lady Outlaw was, uh, came and got me from the hotel, um, took me to go get lunch, uh, and we kind of just detoxed together there having lunch as we waited for our house cleaner to finish cleaning the house, which is the timing kind of worked out that way. And so I thought I was going to stay till 2 or 3 o'clock as I normally do and like buy some graphic novels. But uh, I, I'm older now, and so my energy <laughs> levels are not as strong as they used to be. And especially after last night, we were at the Entertainment Weekly party until about midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. So by the time we woke up and got everything rolling, we were already a bit behind. And so I just I bought some shirts, which I'm wearing one of now, nice. uh, and uh, just didn't want to go trolling through the comic book stands to try to get some graphic novels because i just was too wrecked to do so so yeah um but yeah it was nice to get picked up and then taken back home we were home in 25 30 minutes so that's yeah, awesome. completely different experience steve you're absolutely right what what do you can you describe for people who haven't <laughs> been to comic-con yeah, yeah yeah what is it well it's a convention um that has happened yearly for quite i think since the 19 late 1980s or 90s 
It's been around for a Oh, bit. no, I think it's since the 70s. 70s, so. I'm sorry. Yes, I think so, yeah. And initially, it was just a place for people could go who were comic book writers and illustrators and creators uh, to talk about their work and to hang out with a bunch of very dedicated comic book loving fans. And it was yep. very small initially and you know you just go and get those panels and you get to learn how to work in the industry you get to you know have people like uh, what mike ditko or steve perez or sorry or george perez or these other people show up stan lee i think has made occasional appearances as a comic artist oh yeah yeah so you see them all just kind of be there and talk about their experiences making comics and then step by step it's grown and grown and then tv started to show up with some panels then movies started to show up with some panels and now over the last 20 years, it is really, ex- really over the last 10 years, really 10, 15 years, it has exploded into what it is now where hundreds of thousands of people show up in mass. And the stuff that is covered ranges from the old school comic book stuff all the way to the most current technological uh, advancement that you're going to see in the world of film or television it's really incredible. And a lot of fandoms are being serviced in ways that they haven't been serviced before, including anime, Japanese uh, stuff, uh, uh, foreign comics, foreign animation, um, uh, TV shows that aren't necessarily from the big networks or even from the big streaming services, movies that are very smaller, quiet, independent movies. um, And and of course, all the comic book stuff, whether it's mainstream comic book stuff or independent publishers, doing their stuff as well and that's just the panels on the floor the ground floor there's about four thousand i don't know how many booths there are but it feels like there's four thousand booths in there where you can walk around and see all kinds of stuff and buy all kinds of merchandise from art to figures to t-shirts to cells of animation to uh, posters to funkos to uh, vinyl this time around i got i went to the mondo uh, um, uh, pop up and got, saw some vinyl stuff that you could buy there in terms of records um, and comic books uh, galore, Silver Age sure. comic books, all kinds of stuff that you can get there, horror stuff, all kinds of stuff, it, and it's just an incredible four day experience and you could honestly be in there from the beginning to the end and not and barely scratch the surface of all the stuff that is available for you to watch and, and experience So, so from my my memory of it, and I'm assuming it's relatively mm. the same, mm. is like in the big, huge room we're on the floor. Yeah there, yeah, there is first of all the people selling stuff. Yes, so big, huge comic book stores with big, huge collections. People selling toys, people selling merchandise, people yeah. selling art, all that stuff. Yeah. And then the big companies would have huge booths. Yes. Um, um, so that there would be a huge DC booth, there'd be a huge Marvel booth, and yeah. the, and and then. Uh, and then there's also what was called Artist Alley, which is this yeah. whole area where a whole bunch of people, a lot of whom we knew, would be comic book artists. And they're doing sketches and signing autographs and things like that. Yeah. Um, it's funny. When I first went, I was trying to figure out. I think the first year I went was 93. Oh, wow. Maybe wow. 94. Wow. Okay. Um, and so when I first went, it was a comic book convention. We thought it was huge then. Yeah. You know, and it was yeah. like. 40,000 people or something right. like that. And we're like, this is how could there ever be anything bigger? <laughs> and, and, uh, and the thing is, is it is this mix of, at least in my experience of you got business to do. People are there to do various kinds of business. And then there's a lot of uh, fun with your friends. Yes, there is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, now the most recent attendance figures for this year, they're estimating 130,000 people. Wow. 
wow. came to this one um, and it was sold out. And yeah, you, you know, it's not just the panels. If you happen to have industry friends who have contacts or you've developed your own contacts, you can be invited to a number of parties as well. That is, if you're not exhausted enough during the day, you will ring out the rest of your exhaustion at these parties, meeting people, networking, drinking, talking, having fun. Um, those are the, the things as well. I mean, we had a party the first night we were there, a party the second night we were there, and then a party last night so that we attended and had fun. I could have gone to a party the fourth night or the third night. The Tim Burton party was a mm. party I was invited to, but then I just, I'm not a party person. I get real angst. My anxiety goes through the roof when I go to parties. If I don't know people and if it's a lot of people, I, get, I just go insane. So it's hard for me. I, I'm a social person. I like to talk to people. I enjoy conversating with people certainly in, in large groups i don't necessarily feel uncomfortable unless i feel trapped or, or like i'm in a sard like a sardine can then i start to go a little insane so i try to limit the amount of exposure i have to parties but you can certainly do that as well so you don't get a moment's rest except for when you're sleeping can, can, can you believe that the first several times i went to comic-con nobody had cell phones <laughs> can you imagine trying to find somebody at comic-con without yeah. a cell phone that's insane i don't even know how you would do that you know and the, and the truth is there are so many cell phones steve sometimes the signals you know you can't get that text to go through <laughs> right or that tweet to go through to even let people know where you might be so yeah it, it, it's absolutely true i don't know how people were able to maybe you're just gonna all right we're all gonna do this then we'll meet back at this area by this time i imagine was the only way you could really know yeah it, it, it was always was. yeah yeah, it was always like we'll meet at the Marvel booth at you yeah. know two thirty, <laughs> and but it never worked. It never worked, yeah, and then you would wander that. around and you ended up in another place, and then magically you would run into the person that you were supposed to meet three hours before. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. What was the number one most exciting thing you saw announced? Uh, oh, announced, or that you saw? What was the uh, one, number I would say one Mar the Marvel panel? Absolutely. Look, I mean. We were not getting into Hall H. I did not get into Hall H for the DC stuff. So for me, it was finally the Saturday came that we couldn't get into a Hall H. Like I just thought to myself, okay, the, mo the moment has come once and for all. We can't get in. This is the one year the magic can't happen, right, for us because we did not have an access to it. You, we were not going to stand in line because the line was all the way back past the ships. Past oh my God. the ships. All right. For those of you who know down there, uh, where the convention center is, it's right on the water, and you see the docks, and you see the old ships there, oh, the right, and the and the current ships. But they, it was all the way down. Um, and Friday and Thursday wasn't that bad. So sad, but the line for sad, we we didn't know that there was a second line for Saturday that had been building since Thursday. Oh, so geez. for us, we when we found that out, we were like, oh well, then. We're not going to get it because we all four of us wanted to get the Geek Buddies and Kalinowski. We all wanted to kind of get in together uh, with Gabay and with uh, our friend Gabay and, and, and Brian Leonard. And uh, unfortunately, we couldn't make that happen until around the middle of the af afternoon. Around 1 o'clock, one fifteen, I got a text from Vogel who was on his way to the pool because I was going to join him at the pool. And he's like, hey, uh, Leonard looks like he's gotten us some passes that we can get in. If you get here by two o'clock and I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. So ran over, got in. We saw a really cool Sandman panel, a really cool panel about women talking about the stuff that they've suffered in the industry as actresses, which I thought was really educational, enlightening and unsettling. And then, boom, the Marvel panel start, started. And it was incredible, Steve. From top to bottom, Marvel understands how to present 
at Hall H and at, the, at Comic-Con. It was a choreographed presentation, like a monologue, like Steve, right. like a movie. The build leading all the way to your climactic scene, which was the Wakanda, Black Panther Wakanda Forever uh, trailer and a presentation. It was phenomenal from top to bottom. So professionally done by Marvel. And my friend Ash Crossan was moderating the panel there in Hall H in front of all those people, thousands of people. And it worked so well. Everybody got their time to shine. But when Black Panther Wakanda Forever began with these guys coming out um, to perform uh, Black Panther music live uh, with the drums, with all, all in the outfits and everything like that, it was uh, an incredible experience. And then Ryan Coogler came out, spoke about Chadwick Boseman and the loss, spoke about the movie. Then all the cast members came out for, that are returning from the first film. And when M'Baku came out, the entire audience started to go, ooh, 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 like, <laughs> like in the movie. And yeah. he went into his accent voice and called out to everybody and went along with it. It was incredible, man. And he was really... He seemed really kind of um, honored by that. Sure. And then they brought out the newer actors, and then they brought out uh, Tenoch Huerta, who is going to be playing Namor, the Submariner. So within that great panel was the biggest announcement for me of the weekend, the official announcement that a Mexican-American actor is going to be playing Tenoch Huerta, so in essence, connecting to the Incans. So now Namor is of Atlantean origin, I guess, possibly, but certainly Incan origin is where they're going with. So I don't know how much of the Atlantean Incan stuff they're going to meld into this, but certainly the Incan stuff was there to see in the artwork in the trailer and in the presentation of these characters when you see them in the trailer. So to have him come out and speak about the fact that, hey, I'm from the inner city. I have no business being on this stage. I have been here because of inclusion and because of my ancestors who came across the river looking for a better life it was a really powerful thing steve to witness so that was my favorite announcement slash moment and then uh overall panel of the weekend that that's so great to hear because i've been feeling and it's funny i was i saw vogel uh, mm. a week or two ago yeah. and we were talking about it is that marvel you know this phase seems to be drifting a bit it yeah, seems like it's yeah. lost its focus a little bit mm. i didn't like multiverse of madness eternals isn't very good the TV shows, I, I really do like Miss Marvel. Yeah. But and so hearing all of your seeing all of your tweets and seeing all the reports yeah. from that Marvel panel, and in particular that Wakanda Forever trailer, yeah. it I I got misty eyed, I yeah. got chills, I got I was really, really moved by it. I think it is I don't know if it's gonna be a good movie, but man, that's a really, really good trailer. Yeah, and I think it's I th and I said this in my trailer reaction, I really believe that. If this film is as good as the trailer seems to feel like it's going to be, don't be surprised if this is nominated for Best Picture again, especially because it's coming out in November. And don't be surprised if it actually wins. Uh, and that's what I'm wondering about. How the, the, the emotion of Chadwick Boseman, the loss of Chadwick Boseman, which that trailer clearly confronts, along with launching a um, new culture into the MCU and having them battle... And I imagine what you're going to find out is that someone has tricked the Wakandans and the um, uh, Namor's people, whatever they're going to call them, to fight each other. Hmm. Uh, and then you're going to find out who it was, and they're both going to come together to fight that common enemy. I imagine is what's going to happen by the end. And then the tease of a 
possible new replacement for Black Panther there, which everybody's already speculating, everybody from Shuri to Killmonger. And I'm throwing my hat in the ring saying that's a swerve, that that might be um, Submariner in the Black Panther outfit oh, fighting wow. a particular battle to throw off um, uh, what people might be thinking who are attacking the Wakandans and uh, um, uh, Namor's people. So th- that's that's my speculation. Um, I, I mean, we've been speculating about who's going to fill those, you know, claws yeah. Yeah. for a long time. And there are a lot of potentials. The thing that really impressed me about the trailer, and it sounds like from everything you said about how they're approaching this, yeah. is that, you know, uh, when you've been an actor and you did the scene and you were upset about something in the scene and your acting coach said, use it. And then you took that emotion and you yeah. put it into what you were doing. It feels like they use Chadwick Bose, the tragedy of Chadwick Boseman's death to f- yeah. create fuel rather than it being an obstacle, rather than being a, a scramble. They went, OK, we have to take all of that emotion and all of that pain. And that's going to be part of what this movie's about. You know, yeah, and, yeah, and uh, Steve, just to add on to that, rather than clumsily handling le- it like they did Leia's death and the rise of Skywalker, I think they're, in my opinion, it was clumsily handled. I think in this, they're very much dealing with it head on. Dealing right. with the reaction, the feeling. I mean, seeing, was it Nakia looking out onto the water mm-hmm. by herself? That essentially her dealing <clears throat> with the vastness of loss that she feels without him in his life, in her, in her life. Um, seeing Shuri crying, seeing uh, Queen Ramunda, uh, Angela Bassett delivering what I imagine is her attempt to get a Best Supporting Actress Oscar because there is such power in the words and how she's delivering. Yeah. Haven't I not? Have I not given enough? Lo- having lost her husband and her son, you yeah. know, uh, it's pow- it's going to be incredible to see how much emotional weight this film is going to have. And, and it's, I'm curious about some of the other Marvel announcements. I'll tell yeah, you yeah. the one that got me the most excited yeah. is one of my all-time favorite runs of any comic book ever is yeah. Daredevil Born Again. Yes. So yes. what what did you see? All I saw was just the name, Daredevil yes. Born Again. What, what, what did you see about that? Well, when they announced it, and Feige, as is ever, brilliant as ever, left that for the last uh, title to be announced in that phase, phase five, I believe. Uh, and um, as you said, Steve, just to backtrack a little bit, I agree with you. I think Marvel, in a brilliant acknowledgement of the branding um, mistakes of Phase 4, um, immediately focused on Phase 5 and Phase 6 in this presentation, uh, which nobody had known. I, I believe nobody had known before that Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, I think, is ending Phase 4, and then She-Hulk is starting Phase 5 or something like that. Uh, and so that, or, or, she, or She-Hulk is the end of phase four. Of like, either way, phase four is ending soon. And they said that. Uh, and so seeing this other approach that they're taking, or seeing this other advance that they're taking, and then having Daredevil coming back, and they're saying 18 episodes for that season, Steve. Wow. So it's not a six-episode series, 18 episodes. That, to me, that leads me to believe that they are using that show to launch um, Jessica Jones again, to launch Luke Cage again, to launch The Punisher again, and to launch Iron Fist again with an Asian actor in the role, and maybe even launch The Defenders all over again. Um, that's what I think is going to happen with through those 18 episodes of that season. Um, and Born Again, they already used kind of elements of Born Again in 
the first three seasons of Daredevil with Karen, but mm. they haven't quite gone deep into the born again, which I think is Karen getting addicted to drugs and getting yeah. the kingpin and Matt Murdock getting revealed to be the law uh, the, the person right. behind Daredevil. So I wonder if those elements are going to be in this. Cause I agree with you, Steve born again is one of those seminal graphic novels from the 1980s. Um, and what about some of the other Marvel announcements? I watched the yeah. She-Hulk trailer. It yes. looks like fun. Yes, very much fun. I enjoyed the She-Hulk trailer. Where we were watching it, the sync was kind of off. Mm. So that threw it off and you're thinking to yourself, oh, crap, is this? But no, the overall vibe of it was really fun. And I love Tatiana Maslany. Um, she came out, the cast came out, and they spoke about how much joy they had making this movie. Ruffalo wasn't there, but everybody else was there. Uh, and talked about what they experienced making the show and how it is a situation comedy. It's the first ever sitcom from the MCU. So it's ironic and interesting that they're bringing in um, Abomination because if you watch that Hulk movie, Tim Roth is anything but a sitcom actor in that movie. Yeah, it's not light. Yeah, exactly. So I'm very curious to see how they're going to uh, approach this um, character and this uh, world you, through a, through sitcom eyes uh, because there certainly are funny moments and mm -hmm. is that going to veer into cheesiness or is it going to be inventive exciting comedy that uh, that doesn't take itself too seriously in the MCU we shall see yeah that's what that's what I really wondered watching it it seemed very much like well this could either be charming and fun and light and funny or a cheesy sitcom you yeah groan inducing yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, what, what were there are other announcements before we move on from the Marvel panel? Yeah, we shouldn't move on without talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I mean, uh. that was an incredible experience to be in the room for that. James Gunn came out with a phenomenal T-shirt that I need to get, some rainbow with teeth on it. I don't know what that's from, <laughs> but I need to get that T-shirt immediately. Uh, and I hope I look as good as he does when, uh, when I go full gray because his gray come, is just perfectly done. But he came in, you know, and he talked about the experience of making that movie. Talked about everybody. Well, the cast came out. Karen Gillan came out. Most of the cast came out. Um, and they all had not seen the footage. Oh. And I don't think they've released that trailer. So we got to see the trailer and the footage in the trailer. It is going to wreck you. Absolutely yeah. wreck you. And people, the actors on the stage were super emotional because they had not seen the footage yet. Chris Pratt, who has a couple of moments in that trailer that are just, you can tell that that character is going through uh, possible loss, deep, deep loss all mm. over again, like he did with his mom and, and Gamora um, in the Endgame or in Infinity War. Uh, it's there in the trailer. Uh, Palm Clementief was there as well. But they asked um, his brother, Sean Gunn, Cash, uh, Ash asked Sean Gunn what it was like to work on this film. And Sean got so emotional because he said it was working with my brother you know to mm. be it with my brother through these three films and see his vision getting realized see all the crap he had to fight through to come back and do this one it just means so much so and james gunn said it's the end of the trilogy it's the end and so a lot of people feel like people are going to die mm. um or that this iteration of the guardians of the galaxy will be no more and so that's a huge thing that people sensed from the trailer and from the, all the tears on the stage, um, you could sense that as well. So that left everybody in the room with this feeling of like joy that this is coming back, but also 
utter dread of who is going to possibly die or what is going to happen to all these characters um, by the time that film is over. So it was it was a great presentation. It, it, it's so funny. Having been in Hall H a few times, there is such a yeah. difference between the panel where they genuinely are excited about the project, that there's real care and they're excited to be yeah. there and they know what comic-con is about and yeah, know yeah. how to and are excited to be a part of this thing yeah and when it's very clear that someone's contractual obligation required them to appear at comic-con yeah. they're not happy about it they didn't have a good time making the movie <laughs> yes, they're sure. not actually friends with the other people on stage and yeah. they're going through the motions and it is <laughs> not fun <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know no, you're right about that the two other things before we leave the Marvel panel, <clears throat> sorry, that we should talk about, I think, are Secret Invasion <clears throat> and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. We got to see trailer for Ant-Man uh, Ant and the Wasp Quantumania, which is a very funny trailer. But also, again, there's a darkness to it because they are, all of them uh, are going to have to battle Kang. Uh, so that's there in the trailer. And Jonathan Majors coming in near the end of the trailer, just fantastic back and forth with him and Scott Lang. Um, and, they, and they all came out and talked about their experiences. Catherine Newton was introduced as replacing the previous actress who had played Scott Lang's daughter. She's going to be stature, which I'm mad about. I'm really mad about. I think that actress is a damn good actress. Mm -hmm. And I'm mad that they replaced her with Catherine Newton, who, yes, she's good as well, but she has no history playing uh, Scott Lang's daughter. And it's just frustrating that they're moving her out to move or move the other actress out to move in Catherine Newton to get a name, a bigger name somewhat. Um, so it's a little frustrating. Um, but And then um, uh, Secret Invasion, they showed about a one-minute, minute-and-a-half teaser. Mm -hmm. That is the closest thing to Winter Soldier that I've seen in the MCU since Winter Soldier. So, What, what, yeah. what do you mean by that? What, what about it is There's Winter Soldier? There's political intrigue here. Mm. Um, uh, uh, What's her name? Colby Smulders. Colby Smulders' character, Maria Hill. She is in politics now. Uh, mm. Sam Jackson has got this long beard, and he comes down, and there's this real sense of dread throughout the trailer about who is real and who isn't real, uh, who is Cree, who is Skrull, who is human, who is not human. Um, uh, Rhodes is in it. Uh, uh, Don Cheadle is in it. Uh, there's a great shot of Olivia Coleman telling Sam Jackson, telling Nick Fury, you don't have the stomach for this battle anymore. You're too old. So mm. there's, there's so much intrigue and political machinations going on in this that I found to be incredible. There wasn't one lighthearted Marvel comic moment at all mm. in the trailer. And so that makes me feel like they are really heading towards a, um, a fantastic series when this thing drops. So, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's 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 so funny to go like have feeling not so great about marvel in the last six months mm. or a year and now going okay and not that there haven't been good things there are things that i've liked but yeah. but but sounds like there's a lot to be excited about what what other stuff at comic-con let's leave the world of marvel behind yeah. if you don't mind what were some of the other stuff you found at comic-con what was exciting well we'll, we'll say one, one last thing steve to reframe it i, I think we have to what Kevin Feige did was reframe the perception of phase four to say phase four was the healing phase mm. where we felt like we had to deal with the loss of all this stuff. Phase five is when we come together and fight back. So just if you guys can take on Steve and me and me too, because I have not enjoyed phase four overall to the level that I've enjoyed previous phases. 
phase four, if you look at it as a transition phase of healing, of recovery, of dealing with trauma, of loss, of all this, all the people that we've lost in the MCU and the new people who are coming in, maybe there's a way that that reframes it and changes your perception of it or not. But that's what he wanted us to have coming out, going into phase five. So I think very clearly they wanted to end phase four. Let's go to phase five and feel better again. So, so, so um, it's yeah. a rebuilding year. Is, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Rebuilding year. Yeah. You got to bring in a new coach, new general <laughs> manager, some new players. Um, yeah. All right. What, what else can we do? Oh, yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah, I didn't go to the D.C. panel. wasn't able to get in for that one. But I heard The Rock came out as Black Adam in the outfit. And the explosion of thunder and lightning and all of that was there to enjoy. Uh, and Zachary Levi was there to introduce Shazam 2 with Rachel Zegler and Helen Mirren on Zoom. But Lucy Liu there and the kids, uh, the two kids there as well, um, who play Billy Batson and Billy Batson's friend. They were there to present it. But that was all. And this is a big, this is a big deal that came out of the, uh, the WBDC situation. Like They only presented two movies. Wow. Uh, for that hour. And they did not mention anything about Aquaman 2, which is around the corner, which is, I think, in March. They didn't mention anything about um, Flashpoint, uh, which is also coming up next year. They didn't mention anything about any of the other stuff that they've got coming out. Uh, Batgirl, uh, Blue Beetle. They didn't bring any kind of sneak peek. Nobody had come on to talk about it. Um, and so we were talking about that afterwards as a, as a group in the hotel. Like, why would that happen? And our guess is that maybe DC Fandom is going to happen or they're going to announce it happening in sometime in October, November. And that's where they're going to have all these people come and talk about it. But a lot of people were surprised about how underwhelming DC was, even with The Rock there and, uh, and uh, Shazam 2 there. So that was a big, big storyline coming out of, the, of Comic-Con yesterday. Those are not good signs. I mean... Nope. You know, it's like when you take the Oscar movie that you were going to yeah. release in December and you decide to push it to mid-February, yeah. that's yeah. usually not a good sign about yeah. that movie. Yeah, when yeah, you yeah. have huge, huge, massive projects coming up yeah. and they only present two movies at Comic-Con and considering all of the Flashpoint stuff and all of the, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's, it, 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 DC's got a lot of, talk about a rebuilding year. They're yeah. way beyond a rebuilding <laughs> year, you know? That's true. That's true. And you wonder, I mean, like, uh, well, and you wonder, was it David Zasloff coming in and being like, look, we're not wasting money sending these people in. A lot of people speculated it's because the Amber Heard controversy with Johnny Depp, that they didn't want to show anything with Aquaman 2. Uh, and with The Flash, they didn't want to show anything because of Ezra Miller. But, right. I, but I think Vogel and I and a couple, and I think maybe even Shannon felt that it was a bit of a mistake to do that because the, most of the audience who goes to Comic-Con they can probably be offended by certain things, but when they're in Hall H, they turn that off because they just want to enjoy being taken to a fantasy land. Uh, and I think if they had just focused on Jason Momoa and Patrick Wilson, the, sh the show would have gone off like crazy. Or that presentation, rather, would have gone off like crazy for Aquaman, too. And in Flash, if they brought out Michael Keaton, nobody would have right. given a shit about the Ezra Miller shit. It would have just been focusing on uh, Michael Keaton. Because a certain somebody showed up in the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer who has had to leave a production recently and has had some accusations of, over the few years mm. about his treatment of actresses on set. And he got a rousing ovation when he showed mm. up in the middle of the trailer. So I'm just saying, um, I think audiences don't care about that kind of stuff. And I think DC, Warner Brothers made a mistake not showing that kind of stuff but again maybe they're saving it for dc fandom i don't know um i 
I, I've seen in people commenting going by about the Henry Cavill mm. thing. That just is to me, it's such a it's like a nothing leading into a nothing. Do you know what I mean? It's a nothing burger. It's a nothing burger. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, it was. I think Dan Merle did it best. Dan Merle, if you guys don't follow Dan Merle, you should follow Dan Merle. He posted a great tweet that was, let me show you the three steps of, of uh, movie journalism nowadays. And it was all from Screen Rant. And the first article was, Henry Cavill is showing up at Warner, at the DC panel. It's going to be incredible. Can't wait to see him. Second article. Henry Cavill disappoints fans by disappoints fans by not showing up at at, a, at the room or not disappoints fans who rumored Henry Cavill show up does not happen, which disappoints fans at Comic Con. And then the third article, fans are angry that Henry Cavill did not show up at so they basically manufactured a storyline, used it for a, a, an article here, used it for a secondary article, and then used it for a third article, even though they had manufactured. The whole possibility out of thin air that uh, Henry Cavill was going to show up. Some of these influencers and journalists who have large followings tried to drum up attention for themselves by stating it unequivocally that he was going to show up. And when he didn't show up and they got rightfully destroyed by their own fandom and other people, they cried victim afterwards saying, oh, it's funny to see some of you all tearing me, trying to tear me down. I was like, nah, take your lickings. Take your lickings like a fucking man. If you're going to put that stuff out there and know that you have no fucking knowledge it's going to happen, no real source knowledge is going to happen, you're doing it for attention, then take the spanking. That's how it works, you know? And so to me, I found that to be a, a disingenuous from a number of sides. Uh, and unfortunately, most of the consumers don't know how to disseminate that kind of stuff. They just want to see it, read it. They get caught up in it thinking these people are actual journalists and some of them are some of them aren't and thinking that this is real honest uh journalism and in the end when it doesn't happen they're disappointed because they believed a manufactured rumored story uh, and that's unfortunate to see well i think you 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 put your finger on the key thing which yeah. to me this is a litmus test for whether or not you are actually a journalist yeah a journalist has ethics about confirming stories and making sure they're facts before they report them and when they turn out to be wrong which sometimes that happens yeah journalists put out a retraction right and state that hey this was wrong they don't get defensive and and get angry and just repost some rumor they heard from nowhere yeah. i mean it's, it's it's such a weird thing in terms of the way our world works today as opposed to how it used to work yeah, yeah. which is that the fans didn't used to be involved and ahead in all the little minutiae and be like, it's so strange to have the excitement about the announcement, about the potential of an announcement of someone possibly joining a thing, you know? <laughs> and it's like, and, and, and that it creates almost its own economy based on a thing that's, you know, we, who knows? I, yeah. I would love to see, I think Henry Cavill's a good Superman. I would like to see him again. I don't love yeah. the movies, but I would like to see him again. That'd be great. But DC's got a lot of problems, you know? Right. And I, th I think it's a really unfair position for both Henry Cavill and if a new person comes in to play Superman, for them to be in as well, Steve. This is the stuff that I go to in my head. Like, you've already made the situation extremely untenable for Henry Cavill yeah. by not saying anything about it, not updating anybody, by saying, oh, by not saying one way or the other. He's not coming back no matter what. 
or we're still working it out. We're still figuring out where he belongs or where Superman belongs. And if they do replace him, the actor who comes in now, because you've waited so long, will get destroyed for not being Henry Cavill. And that's an unfortunate thing because being Superman is a great gift to for any actor to be able to be chosen to do sure. on screen. And Tyler Hoechlin does it in Superman and Lois, which is fine. And, of course, we've seen Dean Cain do it. But there's something more um, preeminent uh, or more important. There's an importance to it when you do it on screen in a movie. And so there's that Christopher Reeve legacy that you've got to follow after. Uh, and so I think Cavill was a great Superman for our time. I did too. Yeah. And, and so the concern now is, is he going to – if he doesn't show up, who is going to slide in there and who could possibly handle the slings and arrows of the angry DC fans when it's not Cavill? I don't know. Well, but so I mean, the myriad of problems that DC faces, yeah, yeah. and they all affect each other because there's the Snyderverse, and you know, people who are huge fans of that and want yeah. th to go in that way. There's things falling apart in Flashpoint. There's different mm. visions for who Superman is supposed to be, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. it's like figuring out. Well, if Cavill comes back, is he coming back in a as a Snyder sort of Superman? Are yeah. they reinventing Superman? If they're reinvent, how is it? gonna fit how is all this stuff gonna fit together yeah. and or even loosely fit together yeah um i would like to change gears yeah. for a moment unless are there other big announcements that you saw that you were super excited about before i well i think the, the sandman topic. is going to be great and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah i mean i got to sit in on that panel our friend brian leonard has worked on the show um as a producer as a executive on it uh and so he you know he got us into the panel we were able to watch it uh, I have a couple of reservations about the performance of Tom Sturridge from the clips that I saw. Mm -hmm. But overall, because they showed more than just the trailer, they showed some clips from scenes. But overall, I love the look of this thing. I love the approach they're taking. Uh, and um, <clears throat> I think the Jenna Coleman yeah, is going to be fantastic as Joanna Constantine. From what I saw, Gwendolyn Christie is going to bring the fire and the thunder. And Boyd Holbrook is going to be why fantastic Corinthian. So there's a lot here that I, that is uh, out there to savor and enjoy. If you guys have seen the trailer, it looks damn good, but they made it very clear. And Neil Gaiman was there. There, I love Neil Gaiman. He was there. He said, this is an adaptation. People need to understand right. this is an adaptation. It is not the actual book. Um, but uh, I want to get on. I want to listen to that Audible series. I need to do that for sure. It, it's so good yeah that audible series it was so it's so weird because they do such a good job i mean i'd read all the comics yeah, yeah but but so visually i'm picturing the comics and hearing the voices and as a person who obsessively listens to audiobooks yeah it is top notch it yeah. is so good it is such a because it is really revisiting those comics in detail you know yeah, absolutely um, yeah they're they're really really good and you hosted a panel I did, yes. And speaking of Audible, because that's where you listen to the Sandman. Uh, Impact Winter—that uh, is the an, another series that's on Audible. It's a, I think, a twelve-episode series. Every episode's about twenty-five to thirty-five minutes long, uh, and I listened to it twice over uh, mm -hmm. in preparation for the panel, and it was extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. I can't recommend it to people enough. It is a post-apocalyptic vampire story set in England, um, where you have this set of sisters. Who are being um, uh, who had been who have been trained by their stepfather 
voiced by Liam Cunningham, if you remember from Game of Thrones, uh, and they uh, confront the, these vampires. And there are three types of vampires in this world. And uh, a lot of people switch places, if you know what I mean. Uh, so it's a fascinating uh, first season of this show. My friend Alexandra August over at Skybound is, a produ- is an executive producer on the show. Uh, and so she reached out to me and she said, would you be willing to host this panel? And I was like, absolutely, because I've never hosted a Comic-Con panel. So it was a great experience. There was about 70 people in, in the 100-person uh, room, uh, and they were very into what we were presenting. I uh, got to speak with four of the creative people involved in it, including Alexandra. And when they spoke about uh, the process of taking this thing uh, to fruition, bringing it to fruition, and they announced that there would be a season two and three of this that is being, or season two rather, that is being written and worked on and will be out soon as well. So just incredible stuff. And it was a fun experience. And Steve, I was nervous. And then the panel started and I wasn't nervous. And so it's just, it was nice to feel comfortable again doing something i love to do and then know that i can do it so it was a nice experience for me um overall and thankfully the geek buddies and kalinowski came out and saw me as well so it was a nice thing for them to do that's very cool well there's no question in my mind that you could do it it's totally in your wheelhouse (laughs) and hopefully you will be there in hall h hosting (laughs) panels in the future man yeah here's Um, here's hoping so changing the topic a little bit what is the worst thing about Comic-Con? Oof. Um, worst in terms... How can I say this? Worst correctly. Uh, um, the worst thing is the number of people. Not because it's not great to be around like-minded people who, who like are into this stuff at the level that you're into or higher. Um, uh, I think it's great to see so many people. But when you're walking the floor... Uh, you are smelling a lot of people, for lack of a better <laughs> term. Um, people's hygiene isn't the best. Even though everybody's wearing masks, you still people are here. People sneezing, coughing, coughing up a lung. Even during panels, you could hear people coughing up a lung, which really kind of unsettled you. So there's people with physical maladies that you have to navigate and, uh, and um, uh, figure out. And you're exposed to that in a way. And so... There's all kinds of that. By physical maladies, I mean they might be sick or they might have something yeah. going on. And so you're stuck in a room with them um, uh, in a closed space. Uh, and then when you're walking the floor in those main areas in the middle there, you are essentially shoulder to shoulder uh, and you're trapped. And for me, a person who values space and a person whose anxiety goes off the charts when they feel trapped or confined by people, um, it, it can get to me for sure. But that's the only, to me, that's the only worst thing about Comic-Con, other than maybe your panel that you like is scheduled at the same time as another panel you like. But right. that's that's part of it. But yeah, for the most part, that's the only thing that I think is the um, is the worst thing about Comic-Con is having to navigate those tight spaces with a lot of people on the floor when you're walking it um, during the days that it's on. I'll give you two. The, the, the yeah. first for me is where are we going to eat? Yeah. And trying to meet up with people at the place, and then there's an hour wait because you actually have 17 people that are coming when you thought there were only going to be six people, and therefore you can't go there. And then someone says, "Oh well, I know this place over here," and then you walk across the you know the yeah. district to find somewhere else. Like all of that stuff is always a shit show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but for me, so when I first went, is mm-hmm. you know mid 90s, I was going to break into comics as a writer. Mm-hmm. That's why I was there, and I was there very much as work, a yeah. 
as a hanger on yeah. on a up and coming. You know, I would go with Jeff Johnson, and Jeff Johnson had just become a big comic book artist. He had yeah. just broken into in Wonder Man, and so I was his friend who followed him around. Yeah, and I. Looking at it now, I know, oh, this was the first true evidence of my social anxiety and oh, wow. lack really? of ability to market myself because <laughs> I would go because because having known Jeff for a long time and known Steve yeah. Jones for a long time and seen how they broke in is that artists go, used to go around. I'm sure mm -hmm. they still do it, but it's changed a lot yeah. with their portfolio and they would walk up to an editor at, one, at the Marvel booth or the DC booth and show their work and get a critique. And that's how they found work. Yeah. You know, that's but as a writer, you can't do that because no one will read your thing at the right. booth. And right. so it's really about you being able to talk to strangers. And I'm not good at talking to strangers. <laughs> and I can remember being hanging out with, you know, the editor in chief of DC Comics because it was smaller then. Right. And we're having drinks in the bar at the top of the Hyatt or the Marriott or whatever. Yeah. And just sitting there going, Steve, you need to talk to these people and just being completely paralyzed yeah and and so it was this really it, it was not fun you know for me and, and it was funny too because at that time i was still buying comics so part of it was i would go and spend money that i really couldn't afford to spend right. on a bunch of comics uh, but the other thing that was going on was in the early 90s it was it was during that first comic boom yeah uh where image had started and dark horse had started and there were all these comics with, and there's a lot of investment interest so there was a lot of money and i have a story to tell okay which is because I was a hanger on, I Marvel and DC, they they had credit cards and they expense accounted all this stuff. So I had free meals. Yeah. Even just being the I wasn't even a be I mean, I worked a little bit for Marvel and DC at this point, but I wasn't important and yet I was still getting free meals. And I believe that I am part of the big story of when things went too far. Like oh. when they shut down all these expense accounts in the mid nineties, as the mm -hmm. money started to dry up, the story they referenced, I am told was something I was involved in. Okay. And that is, it was me and Steve Jones and Jeff Johnson and a executive from Marvel who remained nameless. Okay. And he said, Hey, do you guys like jet skiing? And we went, sure. <laughs> and so Marvel paid for me to go jet skiing in the San Diego Harbor, <laughs> which was awesome. Right. I'm sure. And what I heard later on was I literally was in a room where someone was saying, Oh, well, we don't do expense accounts. Did you, you hear that some assholes went rented jet skis on the Marvel account last year? <laughs> and that became like the story of it. That's when it went too far, you know? Um, but that that's was understandable. <laughs> yeah. But that's back in the early days right. of Comic Con. And that, you know, it's just not like that anymore. It's, no, it's no, just no. completely different. Well, I also well, think expense accounts are a lot bigger now, depending on who is involved, for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's Disney now, yeah, exactly. you know. Yeah. What is the what is your favorite non-announcement, non-Hall Age sort of thing about being mm. at Comic-Con? Oh, huh. well, I think it's always walking the floor. Can I say that? Is that you what you mean? You could say whatever you want. It's our well, is show. that what you mean, though, or do you mean? Yeah. Like, what's your What's the oh. thing you most look forward to? Oh yeah, walking the floor. Certainly. I mean, I think besides the panels, I like to walk the floor. I like to take my time. I mean, uh, I went on Thursday for maybe three hours. I got twenty six thousand steps that day. By the way, wow. I, I went for three hours to walk the floor, and I went through Artists Alley step by step, like seeing the artwork. I don't. I can't remember their names from Matt, but I just like to be surrounded by by creativity and talent. So walking through Artist Alley, starting from there, row by row, 
uh, and seeing all the artwork that's there and seeing all the different artists and the different, like the different types of artists, like, you know, uh, uh, white or Latino or black or ma male or female, uh, or however they identify, whatever pronouns they want to use. Uh, it was great. It was great. It's great to see so many people with incredible abilities who can draw and create some, some just star uh, striking images when you're walking by, then going through the booths, going row by row through the booths, uh, seeing all the stuff that's offered there all the way until I get to the end where you're getting usually the video game stuff and um, right. some of the uh, figurines and some of the comic books, comic book vendors. So yeah, I like to, I like to walk the floor to see what people are offering and see what people have to see all the new stuff. I mean, there are some great, great booths uh, this time around. Like Sideshow had a fantastic booth that showed their figures uh, there. Alex Ross had a mini mm. art museum in the middle of it, uh, uh, of the floor with like white carpet. So you can wow. walk uh, or uh, see all his artwork, which was insanely priced for my bank. I'm, I'm sure that guy, I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure it was tens of thousands of dollars for it. For his some pieces. of them. Yes. Some of them. Yeah. Just his sketches were going from anywhere from seven hundred fifty to four thousand dollars. Wow! Just his sketches, yo. Wow. Uh, so I mean, <clears throat> and then seeing all the different stuff. Like, DC did not have a panel this time, uh, uh, a booth this time, but but Marvel did, and Star Wars did. Even though there wasn't much Star Wars stuff at Comic Con this year, it was great to see. But I noticed this time around that comics are making a comeback, hmm. and I saw a number of people. Where I was used to seeing in all these vendors that would be like 50% off, you know, 75% off or 25% off. There were a number of vendors who had these um, appraised issues of comics there with the glass case or with yeah. the plastic case with the official notification that they were selling for people to buy. And it was in the in the hundreds to thousands of dollars, wow. some of these issues. So I was I felt that that was a bit of a sea change that there weren't as many t-shirts there were much more figures figurines and comic books of value that were there for people to purchase so it was much more about collectibles this time than it has been about t-shirts in the past well considering that over my shoulder is a bunch yeah. of uh comic books yeah uh, i like hearing that the values are going up because <laughs> a lot of those are you know pretty old yeah so it, it, that's good to hear i'll tell you for me first of all the cosplay is always fun to watch oh yeah and, absolutely. and and there's sometimes where you just like absolutely stunned at how amazing some of that stuff is. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. that's always fun for me. Uh, honestly, when I got past the I'm trying to get work here, you know, which was yeah, almost just year after year of of failure. Um, when I got past that, it's strange to say, but my favorite thing is hanging out with my friends. Yeah. You know, so okay. even though it would be people I had been hanging out with in L.A. You know, the week before, yeah, something about going to Comic Con and going on, and I, I don't know if you had them this year, but some of those nights went on until dawn. You know, uh, no, back in the I day, didn't. not at my age. No, uh, I, the, I was very much the old man in the room every night. I was, in, I was out of, except for last night. I, I, I was done with parties around ten or eleven o'clock, and rolling back home, and I could care less what anybody has to say about it because I wasn't there to party. I was there to watch as much as possible and talk about it and try to do trailer reactions, try to do uh, shows about it. So that was my focus. In fact, I feel like I wasn't mercenary enough about that. And I think it was great to hang out with the boys and have one last run with the four of us in the hotel room together, but I'm never doing that again because uh, I have a business to run and that's my YouTube channel. And now my focus is 
get in there, see what I need to see, run right back to the hotel, record a video about it for people to watch and enjoy and, and hopefully enjoy rather. And, and so that's my focus. And so I realized that this was the first year, Steve, where I was, and I, cause I haven't confirmed a comic con like this where I was torn between doing what I need to do for my channel and what I need to do to enjoy these things with my friends. And so it was a unique experience because when I, even when I've been there with Collider in the past or other uh, outlets in the past, I know that I have to do this and it's work. So I go do this. Whereas YouTube, it's much more, I'm in control of it. Yeah. so that I can excuse myself or make myself do something. So I had to struggle with that pretty strongly um, throughout the weekend, throughout the week. So that was a new experience. But as far as parties go, yeah, in the past, hell yeah, till three, four in the morning, going crazy, having pizza at 2 a.m., yep. going to one more party that you heard about from your friends. Um, but I didn't do any of that. I was usually done by 10 or 11 every night because fuck that, I got to sleep. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, the combo of you have actual work you have to get done. Mm -hmm. And we're not as young as we used to. I mean, I, I, remember, I remember just this one year of, it was had to be 15 or 20 of us at four or yeah. five in the morning. And I remember we got a little bit lost trying to find the 24 hour diner where we could get some food. And <laughs> I remember we we're like in a construction site and trying to leap over a drainage ditch, yeah. you know, and two of, two of our group fell into the drainage. Ditch. And I'm like, Oh man, Comic-Con is rough. It's rough. <laughs> but I don't think I'd be doing that anymore. Is well, there any Oh, go we ahead. had it at the party last night at the EW party. By the way, what a party! But it, what uh, it was packed, and apparently it is the party to be at every year. But it was packed, and I heard from a couple of people that it wasn't as packed as it has been in the past. And I was going insane with how much it was packed already. So I can't imagine. But it's by a pool and a jacuzzi, hmm. and every year someone falls into the pool or the jacuzzi. This year, two people fell into mm -hmm. the pool and the jacuzzi. Uh, full suits. So if you talk about a drainage ditch, it's not <laughs> like getting dressed up to go to a party, an important party, and you fall into the fucking pool. I don't know how you play that off when you're wearing a suit or a nice dress. So insane to see for sure. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, oh, I was just going to ask, is there stuff that we've missed, important things about Comic-Con that we need to share with our audience? Ooh. Well, I think what you said, just in passing the cosplay stuff, I think you have to take a moment to really savor enjoy and appreciate the hard work that people put into these cosplays now i've seen some cosplays that are a little lazily done and i'm sorry i'm not going to give you any fucking credit for that just because you felt like dressing up that's for you i want to give credit to the people who actually spend the time in finding the material sewing the material creating you know sometimes treating the material the leather or whatever to make it look a certain way and then putting their faces on and putting their wigs on and coming in and wearing them especially because it was hot as hell in San Diego yeah. the last few days. Um, I mean, I wore jeans and I was sweating everywhere I went it, when I wore them. So it was it was hot as hell. So I really appreciate uh, the people who dress up in these larger cosplays or in these cosplays that are very um, uh, well done. Because uh, you are sacrificing your personal comfort to showcase your love for that character or for that franchise. Uh, and so those are always incredible to see kind of walking art installations in essence yeah. to see what, what people can create uh, on their own and be ingenuity, be in uh, having some ingenuity in their creations as well. It, it's pretty amazing. And the amount of time I could only, it just, it's just one more example of how our idea of people just interested in uh, their, you know, what can I get? What can I get that? That's all we want. It's like, no, sometimes someone will spend 
a thousand hours trying to build this thing so yeah. that they can wear it at Comic-Con. And that's, you know, because these aren't easy to make and they're yeah. not cheap either. Yeah. And as you said, too, it's hot and they're uncomfortable. And man, there are some outfits there and I haven't been there in a decade, but yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty darn great. I've never done it, but I think next year I may consider it. I'm just put that on the table. What? Uh, uh, I, what? I don't know yet. I don't know. It depends on what kind of shape I'm in. To be honest with you, I've recently started to work out again over the last two weeks, almost every day, Steve, and my body is in 500 pieces. So I don't know <laughs> what it'll look like by the time next year rolls around, but I may consider doing that. It could be, I would like to just once walk around and have some people taking pictures and appreciating that kind of could be kind of fun. I, I think yeah. a, a documented video to go on the YouTube channel <laughs> of your first time doing cosplay at Comic-Con <laughs> Would be an amazing thing. I don't think you're wrong. That could be fun to do. Absolutely. I, I, I won't say no to that. I won't say yeah. no to that for sure. Um, yeah. Anything else we need to discuss here, man? No. I, have we gotten any uh, streamlabs or anything? Oh yeah. Like Let's that get those. Let's go. Yeah. Um, we didn't even put any call outs for those. I'm so exhausted. I apologize, everybody. Sam Brennan says, "Wakanda Forever trailer moved me to tears and gave me literal chills." Do you think this can be the movie to turn around a lackluster Phase Four? Well, it's the movie to end one of the movies ending phase four. So I don't think it's turning it around. I think it's offering the bridge to phase five and the approach we're going to get in phase five, which is we're dealing with grief. We're putting that away to, uh, to well, we're going to navigate it, negotiate it, and then we're going to move on from it. And I think uh, Wakanda forever is going to show us that. What do you think, Steve? I have, I have a lot of faith in Ryan Coogler. Yeah. Uh, and not only do I have a lot of faith in Ryan Coogler, but I believe that Disney and Kevin Feige have a lot of faith in Ryan yeah. Coogler, yeah, that yeah. they're going to give him the freedom to make the kind of movie uh, that will. I mean, if it, if it can live up to how I felt watching the trailer, because tears and chills, yeah. uh, Sean, that's exactly the experience that I have. Yeah. So I, I, I really I really hope it could be something special. I agree. Uh, Justin Toner donated. Thank you, Justin. It says, hi, John and Steve. The Wakanda Forever trailer got me emotional, and I cried at Angela Bassett's lines. Yeah, I mean, when she says, have I not given enough? Oh, God. So excited for that movie. Pumped for Daredevil's return. Proud to be a member of the Patreon. Loving the recent episodes like Beverly Hills Cop. Thanks. Thank you. That's awesome. That's really good. It was very fun. Doing Beverly Hills Cop and Tootsie back-to-back -back was a lot of fun. Absolutely. What can we tease uh, on the horizon here, Steve, uh, mm. for the Cinephiles? That's a question. Man, it's, it's a real, always a real gamble deciding, you know, how much you want to tease our next project. I mean, yeah. you got to you gotta weigh with your risks and whether you're going to win or lose. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. You got to figure out how much you really want to put in here yeah. uh, to, uh, to risk um, uh, winning or losing uh, that bet if you're uh, trying to figure out what we're going to do next. So Yeah, I, I, I'm yeah. really debating whether we should put our cards on the table. Yeah, And I don't know if we should. I think maybe yeah. we should just, you know, keep it to ourselves a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Maybe hold back. I don't think we should go all in yet. That's no. kind of my feeling. I agree. I agree. I was, uh, so we'll wait. We'll wait. But we'll definitely be teasing you all <laughs> with some stuff coming down the road in our next movie for sure. And I think you're going to enjoy our next two movies, to be honest with you, um, because I think we're well, going to go on some incredible journeys over the next two. Well, I, and I'll say that the the second one, I have been researching heavily. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot to study because I feel real. Se once again, that sense of responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. For, for the second one uh, that's coming up. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to that one. That's for sure. I'm look that one. I've been we've been waiting to do that for a long time. Surely that's one we're going to do.
Uh, Paul wants to know if I've met any stars. Ah, I get weird about that kind of stuff. My other friends are better at walking up to people and starting conversations with them. I'm more like it has to be in the flow of things or I have to be introduced to them. So I'm, I'm not really the kind of person that feels comfortable. Walk- like, for example, most of what we do in the Shadows cast was there last night, and I really, really wanted to meet them and take a picture with them, especially Colin Robinson, the energy vampire. But unfortunately, I just I didn't put myself in a position to do that. Mbaku was there as well, Winston Duke, and I really wanted to talk to him, but he was surrounded by people all the time. So I just didn't feel the need to be yet another person coming in demanding their attention or their time. So I did meet Elizabeth Tullock from the first time. She is the actress who plays Lois Lane in the Superman and Lois series. Cool. Thanks to Jonathan Gabay. Got to meet her, which was really cool. I got a few uh, seconds with Christina Miliati, who I really enjoy as an actress in Made for Love and Palm Springs. And she's got a new show coming for Peacock. And is there anyone else that I really met? No, I saw a lot of famous people. I didn't go up and talk to them, though. Uh, so that's what I'll say on, on that side of things. But yeah, it's just it's just my own personal thing. Maybe down the road, I'll feel a little more confident. I just feel like I need to establish myself a little bit more so people know my outlet, know my name. So when they see me, they feel safe that I'm a person they can have a conversation with because they know I'm a person in the business, in the industry a little bit more. So that would be nice. So, yeah. I mean, for me, I already discussed my social anxiety, like going up yeah. to a star and saying, hi, my name is Theok. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, stomach ties and knots just thinking about things like that. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, all right. Well, thanks, everybody, for watching this uh, special Cinephiles Live episode talking about Comic-Con 2022. Uh, we appreciate it, Manly. Thanks for the Streamlabs and the Super Chats that came through and the, for the lively conversation. Over 100 of you all watching us right now. So please Feel free to like this video. And if you haven't subscribed to our Cinephiles YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button down below and hit that bell button so you see when we're dropping all the content we do here and the Cinephiles live shows that we do once a month here uh, to give Steve a little bit of a break on the editing front, but also to touch base with you all and have some nice interactive conversations with you all as fans of the, uh, of the, uh, of the Cinephiles. So we appreciate that madly. Steve, any final words? Um, no, just that I always love doing these live shows with you. It's always exciting. It's always fun to interact with people who are watching it live. And uh, right up above us, you can see patreon.com slash the cinephiles where you can support the show. And and after you're done subscribing here, I think you should go over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe there and leave a review. And then maybe follow me at SR Morris on Twitter and SR Morris one on Instagram. And I think it's time for you to finally start watching Star Trek, the original series. And to do that, you will have a companion piece, which is Enterprise Incidents. I just think that's, I know you've been debating about it in your life and you felt uh... like you didn't have time i think now is the moment for you now to do that time. now that there's finally a star trek podcast to go along with it there's yeah. never been a star trek podcast i'm pretty sure we're the only one yeah the only one you're right i absolutely agree with you um and as for me you can follow me at the rogue says on twitter instagram and tiktok uh the outlaw nation on twitch my youtube channel come and hang out there youtube.com slash john rogue i'm going to be dropping my trailer reactions to everything over the next couple of days so if you want to watch my thoughts on everything th- that's where you'll find it uh, and also my uh, um, podcast, my other podcast, The Top Ten uh, and The Geek Buddies. And speaking of Geek Buddies, we are going to be going live tomorrow night on Monday uh, to talk about our experiences overall and everything that stood out to us as we were in the room and outside the room with all the news that was happening at Comic-Con. So, um, all right. Thanks so, all so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you next time with another. Oh, have a great rest of your uh, uh, weekend and a great rest of your week. 
And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the Cinephiles Live here from Steve Morris and John Rover. Peace. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park